This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. We're going to have a conversation here right now about international students. And this is this is really... You know, we're talking about embarrassing situations involving our government. This might be another one. This is crazy. Um, we've talked before about the, the hardships that international students are facing, primarily when it comes to housing. But you know what? That's just the tip of the iceberg. This this goes a whole lot deeper than that. Um, this year, as you know, there's I, I've heard 800,000. I've heard a million. Eight, regardless, hundreds of thousands of international students are coming to Canada for an education, right? They got student visas, our government awarded to them. Now, why does our government do this? Why are we handing out so many? The simple answer is money. Okay. On average, in Canada, an international student is paying more than $35,000 in tuition. Okay. Your average domestic student in Canada pays about 20% of that, less than $7,000 in tuition. So, you know, you got a time when, when we've talked about this before. Most institutions are, are dealing with funding reductions. There's tuition caps. They're feeling really pinched and saying they're having a tough time. So you've got international students that, you know, for lack of a better term, are a really good revenue source, pure and simple. Um, and, um, it's becoming increasingly apparent that in some ways you can make a case we're taking advantage of these kids. And, uh, we've had guests on, like I say, from U of A, U of C, uh, talking about a lack of housing. Um, the students, of course, are affected by this, but even in the official process that the government has in place for international students to go through when they're thinking of coming here, there's some huge problems. Where do you hear some of these numbers? We're going to chat now with um, Talia Bronstein, who is Vice President of Research and Advocacy at Daily Bread. And that group has recently done some research into exactly what the situation is for international students. Um, Talia, thanks so much for being here. Appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Okay, so your group did a study on, I guess we should call it financial expectations of international students, right? And this is based on official government data. This is the info that we give to these students that might be thinking of coming to Canada for an education, right? This is from the government. That's correct. The government um, advertises on the website um, as a requirement for international students that they need to have about $10,000 or $833 per month to cover their living expenses. Now, that's above and beyond their tuition costs. We did a survey of uh, international students who are accessing food banks in our network in Toronto um, and about 180 students, and we asked them, you know, how much are you actually paying per month for your living expenses? Because that seemed really low to us. Mm -hmm. And on average, they were paying about $1,500 per month, which is close to double um, what is being kind of set as a requirement by the government of Canada. You know what, Talia, 1500 a month still seems pretty low for, for living you know, expenses. I had the same reaction. Yeah, exactly. I think international students are, are doing a number of strategies to kind of make ends meet. They're living um, with a lot of roommates yeah. in uh, accommodations. For example, more, more students than there are bedrooms uh, is one coping mechanism. They're making use of food banks because they can't afford food. So I think that they're able to kind of keep those costs low, but you're right. It, I would expect it to be higher. Absolutely. So we're telling them that you need $833 a month uh, in order to live in Canada as an international student. They say they're spending 1500 and you and I agree that it's probably even more than that for a lot of them. So, so what's their reaction to the fact that, uh, do they feel like they've been duped, like they've been misled? What are they saying? So we asked them directly, 
were your expectations met when you came to Canada? And, you know, there were a lot of positive responses. People were really happy with the quality of education they were receiving, about um, the cultural diversity of the communities, about the warm welcome they received. But a lot of the students commented on how things were so much more expensive than they thought, especially in terms of housing and food. And that's not surprising because that's something we're all grappling with right now. The cost of, of housing right across Canada, food yeah. inflation, these are issues affecting all uh, Canadians. But for international students who have limited uh, resources, you know, it, it hits even harder. You're so right. I mean, we're all dealing with it. There's nobody in this country right now who isn't dealing with an increased cost of living. So I'm wondering, you know, these numbers when we're talking about $10,000 for the year, um, when, do, when do those go back? Like maybe at some point in time, $10,000 a year was enough to live on as an international student. When did these numbers get formulated and how did you did you get into that at all? My understanding is they haven't been updated since 2015. Um, So, and it might even go back a little bit further than that. Um, So they they are outdated, but it's a tricky, it's a balancing act, right? Because if if you increase the uh, threshold that people need to have in their bank to to come here, you're also going to limit uh, access to opportunities and limit the number of international students who can come here, um, which, you know, has downstream impacts because we actually really rely on international students a, to fund our universities, yeah. as you said, which yeah. we can get into some of the, the challenges there, but also in terms of the labor force. Uh, international students have a direct pathway to permanent residency, and these are the workers that we need yeah. in Canada. Our population is, is aging. It's not growing fast enough, so we actually need these individuals to be coming into Canada. And you make a good point, and I didn't touch on it. When we talk about the $10,000, that's not sort of, hey, we recommend you have this. No, you need to be able to show documentation to say you have this much cash on hand, right? That's correct. You need to be able to support yourself. Um, so, so what's the outcome? What, you, obviously, you're talking to kids that are in food banks, so obviously they're having a tough time. Um, are, are they allowed to work? Uh, what's, what's the rules regarding international students? Are they allowed to try and supplement that income with work? They are allowed to work. They're allowed to work unlimited hours on campus. Uh, they used to only be allowed to work 20 hours per week off campus, but the government, the federal government recently launched a pilot to extend that to 40 hours. So we're not sure if they're going to continue that or not. It's set to expire this December. So we'll see uh, what the assessment is there. But from what we found, um, the majority of the students we surveyed were relying on savings and employment income. So that employment income was really, really important to them. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of barriers to finding employment. Um, you know, not having Canadian work experience, not having the networks to sort of know where to look for jobs, um, linguistic barriers potentially. So for some students, around 20%, it took them more than five months to find employment. Wow. Okay. Which is most of the school year, half the school year. Mm-hmm. Um What's the solution here? Like, like you said, I mean, it, you don't want to try and limit um, access to some international students by saying, "Hey, listen, you need a hundred thousand in the bank." I, I mean, how do we how do we make this more manageable for, like we say, the hundreds of thousands of people that that we are inviting here for very good reasons? It's important. They fund our universities. They also, you know, they they're the people that we're desperately trying to get to fill some of the holes in our labor force. What what's the answer here? I think one of the biggest answers is that provinces need to step up to better fund domestic student education at post-secondary so that they don't have to rely on the international student revenue. Ontario, which is where we, we based our report, you know, has the lowest per capita domestic student funding of any of the provinces. Alberta is doing quite a bit better. You're in the top three, so okay. that's uh, something to applaud. 
But even so, we know from talking to universities, um, and we hear this all the time in the news, just how tight their budgets are. And mm-hmm. so I think, you know, reducing the reliance from kind of a financial perspective on international students would mean that um, we're able to to better support them as well. And then I think there's a lot we can do that would benefit both international students as well as the population at large. So the biggest ones are affordable housing. That's the biggest challenge uh, people face in terms of the cost of living. Uh, recognizing that there's other expenses too that we can help subsidize, whether it's public transit, uh, whether it's um, you know ensuring people have access to um, to food and and other life basics uh, in terms of affordability. So I think there's there's steps that all levels of government need to be taking to address the cost of living for the population at large, and that's going to benefit everyone, including international students. Yeah, which and as we know, the the need is pretty dire. <laughs> Just those numbers that you point out in the study are they're they're so drastically different. It's got to be a a huge huge shock. So uh, I really do appreciate you joining us today and walking us through this. Thank you so much.